Welcome to Bite by Bite Nutrition for Life, a broadcast of Purdue University Extension, where we cut through the hype, explore the science behind food and nutrition, and provide practical tips for incorporating healthful strategies into everyday life. Welcome to Bite by Bite Nutrition for Life. My name is Tanya Short. I'm joined today by my sidekick, Monica Nagel, and we would like to welcome to our show today, Michaela Parsley. Michaela is a a registered dietitian, and she currently works as an oncology dietitian working with patients undergoing radiation and chemotherapy. So she is here today to share us a little bit with her background as a dietitian and specifically um, what those patients um, undergoing cancer treatment might need to think about. So Michaela, can you go ahead and um, share a little bit about yourself and how you ended up in this role? Yes. First, I'd like to thank everyone today for having me here. Um, But like Tanya said, my name is Michaela Parsley. I am an oncology dietitian. I work very closely with patients undergoing both radiation and chemotherapy. Um, So usually what my day-to-day duties look like, I will meet with patients uh, before or after or during their treatments, and I will discuss nutrition during treatment, uh, dive a little bit more into exactly what they're eating, what supplements they're taking, um, and provide them with nutrition services to promote better outcomes with their cancer treatment. So are there, you mentioned supplements there, are there specific um, nutrient concerns that individuals might encounter when undergoing cancer treatment? Yes, so um, as most of us I'm sure are aware, vitamins, minerals, and herbs are are definitely good for us. You see it in the news headlines. Uh, We learn it in basic nutrition courses, um, even in high school. Um, So many people, you know, would assume that more is always better. Um, So many patients, especially when um, they find out that they have cancer, they turn to supplements such as vitamins, minerals, and herbs to to try and be better, to support their body throughout treatment. Uh, There's a lot of information on Mr. Google about uh, supplements and cancer treatment and potential curing cancer. Um, So it it, it makes sense for patients to make the conclusion to to go to their local pharmacy and pick up some supplements. Um, But what a lot of patients don't know or don't read on Google are a lot of the negative consequences associated with taking supplements. And this is not only with cancer and cancer treatment, but really the whole population in general. All all healthy individuals um, at any lifespan um, should should be careful with supplements. And I think that it's not uh, public enough the dangers associated with some supplements. Right. So let's talk about that a little bit. So you alluded a little bit to like uh, persons may actually be overdosing themselves, creating a level of a toxicity by taking them when they don't need them or taking too much. So what can you talk a little bit more about that or talk about what those dangers are? Yeah. So there's actually two big studies that have been conducted looking at supplementation um, and health outcomes. So Um, There was one big study called the SELECT study. This actually was started in about 2001, and this group, they looked at 35,000 healthy men. So these were healthy men, uh, not necessarily cancer patients, 
Um, but these men were randomly placed into groups and they were either given a selenium supplement um, and or a vitamin E supplement. And then there was also a group of men that received no supplement. And the study, interestingly enough, actually had to be stopped seven years later because they saw such a increased risk of prostate cancer um, within these groups. So the men who took selenium, they were actually at about 91% um, at an increased risk for prostate cancer. The men who were taking vitamin E, um, they were actually um, at an increased risk of 111% of developing high-grade cancer. Uh, prostate cancer specifically. And then the group who weren't taking any supplementation, um, they did not see any increased risk of prostate cancer. So that study was halted and, and they no longer provided supplementation. And that is one of the very well-known studies looking at supplements and, and maybe, you know, more is not always better. Um, it's funny you say that, Michaela, that more is not always better because that was what I was just about to ask you is that the um, supplement industry is estimated to be a $46 billion industry. Uh, and so obviously there's a lot of uh, good advertisement out there that we should take more supplements and um, take some. So I was actually going to ask you what the biggest misconception is about supplements. So is that what you would say it is? Is more is not always better? Yes, definitely. Um, I mean, even when you guys just walk into a Walgreens or CVS, I mean, the supplement aisle is basically half the store. Um, there's so many options, and, and even on the bottles, there's so many health claims on the bottles. Um, so looking at all of them, I mean, many people can find something, you know, uh, reduces blood pressure. Uh, many Americans have high blood pressure. Um, so many, many people who are in the store looking at the supplements will find something that they believe that they should be using. Um, but in reality, there are a lot of negative consequences associated with some of those high dose. And I keep saying high dose um, because really uh, there is a quote out there that the dose is what makes the poison. Um, you know, multivitamins, most, most doctors will encourage a multivitamin. Um, and multivitamins are generally safe because it's so many nutrients, vitamins, and minerals packed into one supplement. So those, those vitamins, those minerals, they cannot be at very high levels or it wouldn't work with, with all the other um, ingredients per se within that supplement. So when you're in the aisle and you see like a bottle of just vitamin C or a, vit or a bottle of just vitamin E, those are, you know, um, they are on their own within that supplement, and those are going to be at much higher levels, um, whether that's IUs or milligrams, micrograms, however the dose is for that particular vitamin or mineral, but they're, they're at high levels when they are singled out in a supplement. So with, with, like you said, there's so many choices on the shelf. It's like its own little department within the stores. But what I hear you saying is there's not really a lot of cases when we truly need those. So when would someone be able to identify or how would they identify if they actually had a need for a supplement? Yeah. So um, the first thing that I definitely always recommend, and, and this is for um, just a 
a healthy individual, not necessarily one of my cancer patients, um, but to discuss with your PCP about potentially getting some blood work drawn. Um, that is a big one. A lot of tests can be run uh, with blood work looking at different lab values, and that will show where you may be falling deficient in. Um, so many Americans are deficient in vitamin D, um, so your doctor could run a simple test on vitamin D, see if you're running a little bit low, and if you are, that is an appropriate time to supplement. Um, and, you know, your doctor will recommend a, a particular dose. Um, so it will it'll depend on how deficient you are in vitamin D. Um, so it's important that you know if you if you feel that you are deficient and if your doctor uh, clarifies that you are deficient, that you're also paying attention to what dose you're using when you do supplement. So it's important to, again, the more is not always better. Like if your doctor prescribes you or recommends 10,000 IUs for vitamin D, not going home and taking five times that amount. Um, so it is important that we're watching that dosage too, even when the doctor does encourage it. So Michaela, you've said more is not always better, and I get that. Um, but is there anything else to consider with supplements uh, to make sure we aren't wasting our money? So um, as a dietitian, I am a big fan of food first. So I always want people to uh, eat food instead of take supplements. But I do understand that there's a need for them sometimes. And what I'm thinking here, though, too, is, uh, is there any interaction with other medications or um, uh, the food you eat? So one thing I can think of specifically, and you just mentioned it was vitamin D but vitamin D and calcium need each other to be absorbed in our body. And so, uh, you know, when we're taking these supplements, are they absorbed better from uh, actually taking them as a supplement? Are they absorbed better from food? Do they need to be paired with something? Is there any recommendations there? Yeah. So, so the good thing about, you know, trying to get all of our nutrition through food first. So our, you know, when we're building our plate, trying to add in plenty of fruits, of vegetables, whole grains, beans. Um, these are really the, the plant-based foods or what's gonna provide us with, you know, the large cohort of our vitamins and minerals. Um, and what's great about when we consume it from food, not only, so say we eat an orange, I think most people associate an orange uh, with vitamin C, but we're also going to be getting in so many other nutrients when we do eat that orange. Um, phytonutrients that help fight chronic disease, fiber, which helps lower cholesterol, keeps our bowels moving to make us feel comfortable all the time. Um, so when you eat the food, you're going to be getting so many uh, other nutrients and beneficial um, things that help our, our health out overall versus a supplement supplement, it will just be the vitamin C. Um, but like you did say, there are a lot of, um, you know, pairs, like uh, if you were ever told that your iron is low and you need to take an iron supplement, pairing that with a vitamin C source can help increase the absorption um, and vice versa. So if you are told that your iron is low, you're taking an iron supplement. Many people don't realize um, that calcium can actually block the absorption of iron. So it's not recommended to take your iron, you know, with a glass of milk or something that's a good source of calcium. 
So let's say someone has been recommended to take a supplement, or maybe they read something on Dr. Google. How, where can they go to really verify some information about any particular supplement? Yeah. So one of my all-time favorite resources that I use, especially here uh, within the Cancer Center, um, to look up, you know, interactions or the current research and studies that are showing, you know, what the supplement is actually beneficial for is called Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. So this cancer center um, actually has their own herbal database online, and it's an excellent, excellent um, evidence-based database that you can quickly search uh, whatever herb or vitamin supplement and you should be able to find some good information. And I really like that, uh, that database because, again, they, they do take into consideration uh, many different interactions, whether it's a drug interaction, a food interaction, and all that information is on there in one place, which is very nice. Can you say the name of that again? Yep. So it Our... is Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. Thank you. And that cancer center has their own database. So another resource I've uh, used to talk to people, and uh, the expert on the subject, so told me if this is not a great source to be using, is the National Institutes of Health um, Office of Dietary Supplements. That website has lots of good fact sheets on it that kind of do the research on um, on the supplements and whether they're actually, you know, there's any efficacy or anything behind them. Is that a resource you ever use? Yes, yeah, so that's, that's another good one. Um, I've used it a couple times in the past, um, probably just from, you know, my, my job position. I kind of lean more towards uh, the Cancer Center database just because it will take into consideration um, more of the chemotherapy drug interactions, um, but that one is definitely an excellent source um, for lots of individuals as well. So one thing I'm wondering about, and since you work in a clinical setting, I'm sure you can answer this well. So as an RD, I do a lot of dietary uh, recalls with people and notoriously people under report um, how much food they're eating is, does the same apply to supplements? And then is there any importance of when you're sitting with your doctor sharing with them, what kind of supplements you're taking? Yes, this is a great question. Um, this is something that I think our healthcare system really falls short on. So we're very good at when patients come in to meet with the doctor, we always, and I say we, but it's, you know, the medical assistant or whoever is checking in uh, the patient, they review their current medications. Um, that is always in the EMR. That's always on their patient chart. It's important to know what medications the patient is currently on. Um, but we've, what we fail to do is to include supplements within that list. Um, and that is something that I'm working on within our clinic um, to have more of the staff be trained to know to ask that question. Um, because the average person doesn't think to include vitamins, minerals, herbal supplements within that list because it's not a medication. They went to the store, they purchased it, you know, it's not a prescription, um, but it's important that the doctor knows what you're taking. Um, they can help to better facilitate a discussion on, oh, that's actually interacting with 
your blood thinner that we have you on because a lot of herbs, um, you know, such as milk thistle or curcumin, I know that's a big popular one that people are taking nowadays for anti-inflammatory purposes, um, but those herbs and supplements, they actually um, inhibit your blood thinner from working. So if you're taking that herbal supplement and taking your blood thinner, you may as well just not take the blood thinner because it's almost canceling it out. So it is something that definitely has to be improved within the healthcare setting. We need to um, try and uh, facilitate a conversation with our patients about what they are taking too because it needs to be looked at as more of a medication as well. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Michaela. So would you say that, let's say someone is listening and they're like, oh no, I've just started taking X supplement. Um, and I didn't tell my doctor, like, is the pharmacist a reasonable resource that they could go in and talk to, um, since that pharmacist would theoretically have a list of all their medications? Yes. Pharmacists are also another great resource for that. I know a lot of times here in our clinic, the pharmacist does interact quite a bit with patients um, about, you know, educating the patient on the chemotherapy drug that um, they are being sent home on and reviewing other things and other questions, and they would be another great resource. I do find that a lot of times patients who bring up uh, supplements to the doctor and the doctor may not know off the top of their head or they don't have the time uh, to look it up, they will consult the dietitian. So a dietitian is also another great resource to turn to when considering supplements and, and whether or not uh, you should be taking it as an individual. So I was going to say at the beginning, we really just jumped into talking about supplements, but I don't believe we ever defined dietary supplements, which that's okay because um, we actually have done another um, episode with uh, Lauren Lee, the uh, sports dietitian from uh, Purdue University. And so we already discussed that, um, but just kind of as a review, we know so far um, that dietary supplements are not regulated by the FDA. So there may be things in these products that... Um, shouldn't be there. Uh, they may or may not be on the label, um, those types of things. And I've shared with everyone too, that our very first episode, um, all of us on the team, we shared what our biggest pet peeves around food are. And um, this isn't what I shared in the episode because I have too many pet peeves. But one of them is, you know, all those people sliding into your DMs um, with their MLMs, their multi-level marketings. <laughs> um, you know, you see Herbalife and Advocare. And I know all that those. all too well. <laughs> and so based off of my definition that I've heard from um, others, I'm guessing those are considered dietary supplements. And so are there any dangers to... Um, us um, listening to the person who slid into our DM trying to sell us one of those lovely products. Yeah, so a lot of the companies that you actually just described, you know, they'll have protein powders or greens powders or some kind of powder um, that also contains vitamins, minerals, and a lot of those also contain herbal supplements. Um, like the curcumin, and I keep saying curcumin, it's, it's the other name for turmeric, um, or it may include uh, garlic or ginger, and 
all of those also are going to be interacting with medications. And the issue is, one, is this person selling the product, are they educated on what is really in the product and maybe some of these interactions that could occur? And two, are they going to be able to answer those questions if, if the, the potential customer even um, thinks to ask those questions? So there are quite a bit of dangers associated with purchasing from, from someone who is just working for an ML, MLM and, and doesn't have the proper uh, nutrition background. Thanks. I... Uh... I always caution against those. And so it's good to, I guess, have some uh, verification that they make me nervous. And I know for so many of them, you, you, yeah, you don't know what's in them. Uh, there's no list of what it, what's in them. Cause people ask me all the time, like, should I take this? I don't know. I don't know what's in it. <laughs> right. And a lot of those, like you said, you had um, already maybe talked about in a previous episode that supplements are not regulated by the FDA. So we don't know um, if what is on the label is actually what's in there because there is no oversight um, being done. So for, for powders, it's important, especially to look for the NSF certification. This means that the product was third-party tested. So the company actually spent money and time finding um, a third party to test their product so that you know um, what they say is in there is exactly what's in there, um, that it is going to disintegrate properly in your body, um, and that it does not contain any contaminants. Um, there have been a lot of products, and, and for vitamins and supplements and herbs as well, um, that have been found to contain heavy metals, such as arsenic, lead, and mercury. And I think many Americans are aware of the dangers if we have a lot of lead in our body um, or, or arsenic, um, that can definitely be deadly, or mercury. So it's important that we are picking products that do not have contaminants such as these heavy metals. So, so tell our listeners again, if they're looking at a bottle of supplements, will there be a label or some sort of seal or stamp on there that says this product has been tested and what, what are they looking for there? Yep. For, um, so for more of the protein powders and some of those, those products, um, that will be your NSF certification. That's going to be a, a circle that has the letters NSF. It's usually either blue or, or black circle. Um, and then for things like when you're at Walgreens or CVS, uh, when you're in the supplement aisle looking at bottles of vitamins, minerals, maybe an herbal supplement, you would again, um, those companies would either be tested through the NSF, so again, that circle with the letters, or they will have the USP seal. That is more for um, you know, minerals and vitamins that type of supplement, the USP seal might be a little bit more common um, in that in that area of supplement. Okay, and that's so just a little a little seal that's gold and, and black, and you'll see the letters again USP. And correct me if I'm wrong. I'm uh, flipping through my apps right now, and I'm not finding it. But um, I believe there is an NSF app that people could go on there and find a list of approved products. And I believe there was also one for that, um, the Office of Dietary Supplements that I talked about 
Is that true? That I actually don't know about, and that would be an awesome resource. I actually need to look into that. I know that a lot of people uh, can go to consumerlab.com and also find, like you can search products and see if it is NSF certified or if it has the USP seal as well on there. I have the NSF app, so I can confirm that that's a thing, Um, but I don't remember about the dietary supplement one, and that's not on my phone, so I can't confirm that one. Yeah, that's a a good app. But yeah, it's nice because I have people all the time asking me, should I take this or that product? And so then I can normally scroll scroll through that app and be like, oh, it's not on the NSF approved list, so no. So you were talking earlier um, that you guys started your first episode with maybe some pet peeves or something around food. Um, Ah. Beef was a local radio host who always um, encourages her listeners to go and take milk thistle to prevent hangovers. Um, And and she talks about this very frequently. I would say at least once a week. Um, I love the radio station, um, but it is dangerous you know, to go around telling, you know, all of radio listeners to take an herbal supplement. And I think, um, you know, in our society, we don't look at supplements um, as something as serious as medications. Um, So we feel comfortable, you know, recommending something like milk thistle or St. John's wort. That's another one that a lot of people will take for seasonal depression. Um, and we don't realize that, you know, when we recommend these things, that we don't know what the person who we're telling is taking as far as prescriptions. So, like with St. John's wort, um, that can actually interfere with birth control um, and make your birth control not effective. Um, so that's that would a be a bad oops, thing. huh? <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty major thing. I'll, I'll never forget um, in, in college, my roommate her sister had her taking St. John's wort um, because she does suffer from some seasonal depression. And there are studies that suggest that this supplement can help improve mood and depression. Um, But she didn't know that it also um, inhibits birth control. Um, And her sister was taking birth control. Um, And luckily, I was actually in one of my dietetics classes and learned about this interaction around the same time and and came home and and told her, you know, that actually can prevent your birth control from working. And, of course, she freaked out and didn't take it again um, because she did, did not want that to happen. Um, But there's so many things that can happen as far as, you know, encouraging your friends, your family to take supplements, because we don't know all the medications they're on. We don't know all of their current health conditions. So it's important that, um, you know, if you were recommended a supplement that you kind of have to do your own research or, again, talk with your doctor, a dietitian, a pharmacist, if you have those available to you. It's, it's just so important. And like with, with my cancer patients, um, specifically, you know, they'll come in and when I'm doing a diet recall with them, I'm finding out what they eat, what they drink. I will also ask about what supplements they're taking because so many um, of their friends or family will encourage an antioxidant supplement 
Um, because, of course, you know, we always hear antioxidants are good. They help fight off free radicals, and they help um, prevent disease, especially something like cancer. Um, but what most people don't know is that, you know, through chemotherapy or radiation, we are actually promoting damage to the cells. Um, so we are actually wanting that damage to destroy the cancerous cells. Um, but if the patient is taking high-dose antioxidants, um, there is some research out there to suggest that the antioxidants could potentially be blocking the cancer treatments from working. So what was once, you know, a, a friend or family member that was caring for their loved one and wanting them to be better and encouraging supplementation, they could actually be harming their treatment efficacy and, you know, they may not be um, treated as, as best they could, which is sad. And I think that a lot of people just don't know about this and definitely the dangers of just kind of taking, you know, what you, what your friend told you or what you saw on Facebook or in the store. And it's important to just know what you're putting into your body before you do it. Absolutely. I think everyone on this call would agree with you wholeheartedly. So um, I have my little notes here of my summary that I'm going to shout out, shout back and see if you have, all have anything to add to that. But before we do, is there any final words of wisdom, any cautionary tales, any pleas um, from the dietitian's desk that you would like to send to folks um, regarding supplements that we haven't already covered today? Yeah, so definitely, um, you know, trying to uh, establish a relationship with your medical team. So whether that is just a primary care physician or, you know, something more involved, but establish a relationship with that doctor or medical professional where you can talk to them openly about you're interested in taking these supplements. Maybe you're interested in some additional blood work um, because our annual blood work that we may be receiving for our well exam, you know, it may not be looking at all of these labs such as vitamin D um, or zinc or something like that. I know vitamin C and, and zinc, a lot of those supplements were, were popular with, with COVID in recent uh, months and year. Um, but it's important that we're establishing that relationship, we're discussing it, and everyone is on the same page. And, and again, trying to think of supplements as a medication because it, it is important um, and it can, you know, do some pretty uh, serious things just like medication. Absolutely. Okay, so here's my rundown of the day, folks. Number one, when we're thinking about supplements, more is not better. And I think Michaela has driven that home with multiple uh, examples here of how more can actually be very, very de detrimental. And we actually only often need a supplement when there's a true deficiency, right? Um, but we should think about food first. That's the best way to get those nutrients into our body. It's the, the way our body prefers to receive those nutrients and it's able to absorb them better when it comes from its natural food sources, as opposed from a pill. Next, um, tell your doctor about all medication. This is prescription over the counter herbs, supplements, et cetera. They all can interact and have surprising um, consequences that we would not necessarily think about. So it's really important. Um, lastly, I would just like to say our health is our greatest asset. 
Make sure you're getting your health advice from a properly trained professional, whether that's your medical provider, a registered dietitian, your pharmacist. Um, anything we can add before we wrap this up for the day with our, um, with our fun little question for Michaela? I don't know that I have much to add. I'm just thinking about how in our previous episodes, we've really talked about how Purdue Extension has some sort of research uh, resource to help with this. And I don't believe that we have a true resource here, but more that we could be a resource that you could call um, and ask us about something and we could share maybe, you know, some of the things we learned from Michaela today, but we could get you in contact with people like Michaela um, is probably our main resource here with supplements. Wouldn't you say, Tanya? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I think, I think you've summed it up well. And Michaela, we've been trying to each of these with a fun question. Um, I'm not sure if my fun question is landing because it's uh, proven to be hard. Um, okay. <laughs> but, so I have two that you can choose from uh, to maybe make it easier. Uh, so one is, what is your favorite food pun? If that one's too difficult, you could answer, um, if you could be any food, what food would you be? I knew you were going to ask that second question, which is so funny because I was on a job interview in college for like a summer camp. I was going to work in the kitchen and they asked that question. If you could be any food, what would you be? Um, but I actually thought of a food pun right away, which I'm pretty awesome by myself. I always like, and this is so cheesy. But I always like when they have like on shirts or something, um, when it says, let's avo cuddle. <laughs> I that cute. But I'll just go ahead and answer the second one too, because I, I already have answered this before. Yeah, you've um, prepared in your interview. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I remember I answered zucchini. Um, and I said zucchini because it's so versatile. You can be sweet, you can be savory, you can cook with it so many different ways. Um, and I was, you know, tying it into the fact that I work well in all situations, you know, under pressure, good times, bad times. Um, so, so that was how I answered that question in a job interview. <laughs> You're available in plenty this time of year too. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So Michaela, if our listeners want to connect with you and learn more, what are some ways that they can reach out to you? Yeah, great question. So I work uh, my day job here in the cancer center, but in my free time, I actually run um, some nutrition, social media pages and uh, a blog. Um, so my Instagram handle is at sea salt and kale. On Facebook, you can find me just by searching Sea Salt and Kale. And then uh, my blog is, is just seasaltandkale.com. I feel like there's a story behind that name. No, really <laughs> nothing that cool. Honestly, I um, knew of a couple other dietitian pages on Instagram and one included kale and I always thought hers was really cute so I wanted kale in mine and then I was trying to think of um something that would go with kale and just somehow came up with sea salt and kale <laughs> 
All right, everyone. Well, there you have it, Michaela Parsley. You can find her on social media at Seasalt and Kale or online at seasaltandkale.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Bite by Bite Nutrition for Life. Until next time, remember to ask questions, challenge the myths, and stay true to you. <laughs>